And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. American names Carter, Jace, Camden, Jaden, Aiden, Axel, Reese, Brooke, Silas, Sadie, Candace, Nicole, Rayleigh, Mackenzie, Gracie Lou, Cindy Lou, British names Rupert, James, Edward, Matthew, Timothy, Hugh. Jasper, Simon, Emily, Rose, Claire, Poppy, Catherine, Olivia, Maisie, Aussie names, Lachlan, Brady, Riley, Bryce, Steve, Damo, Darren, Kyle, Maddie, Ebony, Kiara, Kylie, Lindsay, Shona, Sheila, Welcome to No Dunks. I'm Tass Mellis in the Classic Factory. With me, a man who's looking fresh despite just coming back from <laughs> Las Vegas. It's Trey Kirby. Hey, hey, yo. Oh, yeah. Thanks, JD, for chipping in there. <laughs> I almost forgot. Well, you never know. There's, there's only one other one of us yeah, on the desk that's here. Right, that's right. And of course, JD making the magic happen. What's up, JD? Hello. Hey there, JD. Skeet's just coming back. Uh, from Las Vegas, having some uh, travel problems. <laughs> this man has had a travel ordeal. Yes. Going to and from Vegas. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Now, before we get into everything Vegas, the Wemby game, also Greg Popovich signing his new deal, some other transactions, in-season tournament details that, that were revealed this weekend, we will be watching the Home Run Derby. Tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern. Whoa, baby, didn't know the music was coming. Yeah. Uh, the link is in the description below or on all our social channels. Playback.tv slash no dunks. The home run derby for MLB's all-star game weekend. All-star game. I mean, it did start on the weekend. I was watching the uh, the high school All-American game on the treadmill. <laughs> sicko anyway, mode. Uh, yeah. Total <laughs> sicko mode. I went to Vegas to watch the All-American game on the treadmill. <laughs> Anyways, Joel will be joining us, the No Bunts crew. Also, there's a new episode of Is This Good with our man Kelly Dwyer. You know Kelly Dwyer. Some fun stuff as well. I do know show. Kelly Dwyer. I saw in the description yep. uh, that he talks about Mark Marin eating hot dogs. <laughs> yes. I was there. That was yeah. like one of the first times I ever met Kelly Dwyer, along with Skeets. And this is like circa 2009. So, yeah, I'm excited to tune in just uh, to hear his report <laughs> 14 years later on going to hot dogs and seeing Mark Marin in line. You Very are cool. in the story. You Incredible. are feature prominently. I hope I had a good line. <laughs> I hope I had a good line. <laughs> we'll see. Well, you can check out all those lines on Is This Good? It's got its own podcast feed and its own YouTube channel. But first, we got our Wemby game. It was one game late. We weren't there for that one. We watched the first one in person. This one against the Portland Trailblazers. No Scoot Henderson, unfortunately. We'll get to that a little bit later. But Victor Wembanyama showed out in this game. He was phenomenal. 27 points, 12 boards, 3 blocks, the final line. Thoughts on Victor Wembanyama's first good game at Summer League, Trey? 
I guess it's true what the people say. <laughs> Victor Wembanyama is pretty good. I mean, 27 points, 12 boards, and then, like you're saying, a steal and three blocks. But that maybe even underrates his defensive capabilities. Sure. There are times you see him just playing one side of the court basically by himself, knowing he's going to be able to challenge the three-point shooter in the corner and still take away drives inside. This was just fun to see that Wembenyama came out and played a game that people were kind of expecting. He looked a lot more comfortable offensively. I thought he was more aggressive, less hesitant. Like He was getting shots where he should be getting shots, a pick-and-pop jumper where he's wide open rather than having to create against uh, in a one-on-one situation and then attack a defense as well. He got deeper post touches. His offense just looked more realistic to what it's going to be once we get to real NBA basketball. Took 12 free throws just because he was closer to the basket. Saw a couple of dunks. The playmaking to me has been a big surprise. Like not assist numbers, but he's dropping the ball off. Maybe guys are getting fouled, missing the shot, whatever it may be. But looks like he can pass a little bit, which is going to be instrumental uh, once he gets to the real season. Again, he's going to be seeing double teams, so he's going to have to find open guys, but you're still seeing freaky stuff from Wembenyama. Like, he gets double teamed, shoots a floater, and rebounds it on the other side, tips the ball to himself uh, on a putback and dunks it before it even comes back down. (laughs) Things that you don't see from any other players, but it was cool uh, to see. Had that three-pointer that cut the lead to one with two minutes left. Crowds going wild. Weren't able to pull off the comeback, but this was exactly what people were expecting from Wembenyama coming into Summer League. Yeah, you said the freaky stuff that put back, or sorry, the, the tip that went off the glass, and then he was able to grab it before it came down. Again, he tipped a missed shot. It's in the air, and he's able to jump before it comes down and grab it. Like, tip, yeah. throw down. That's hard to do, uh, some freaky stuff. I, I thought watching the game at the beginning, I mean, he got just an open look, which really helped. And uh, from the mid-range, he didn't have to create it, which he was, I think, trying to do a lot in the first game. So mm-hmm. he just got an open look. It went straight down. <laughs> that net was real, real loud. It was as tasty as a Las Vegas buffet. Uh, and uh, then he just got going. Actually, he tried a crossover from the three-point line uh-huh. in, in the first quarter, and he kind of just fell over. Yeah. And they gave him the foul call. And I thought, okay, that is what a seven foot four frame is supposed to lack the ability to do. Like, he can he just cross over guys at the three point line? But then he got that going in the in the second quarter. There was that wild move. He's outside the three point line. One hard dribble to the right goes back through his legs. Steps into just a beautiful mid range shot. Wet. Uh, that was that was hard to do. And then yeah, the, the the freaky putback dunk. And then he threw another one down real real hard. With some French on it, I think I think people should start saying that. Put some, <laughs> put some French on it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, put some English on it. Yeah, put some sure. French on I it. I like it. Uh, but like you said, the playmaking is really interesting. Like the beginning of the second half, at times I'm looking for Victor Wembanyama on the floor. Maybe it's the summer league jerseys, or maybe it's just the lighting or something. But but I'm just looking at him. Where where is he? Oh, he's in the corner. I don't want Victor Wembanyama in the corner. But he comes to the top. He gets a handoff and he drives the lane. And the playmaking that you're saying. I had no idea. He really had this in his game. But two guys come at him, uh, just a pretty, pretty drop-off. I think it was to Dominic Barlow who couldn't score there. And then on the other end, yeah, you're, you're right. He kind of guards half the floor. And he, and he can get his hands on balls. And he blocked another player on the perimeter with uh, from a three-point shot. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know that was going to happen. I guess you should with the length. But to be able to guard so much... Pretty damn impressive. Yeah, blocked a three-pointer. Brandon Miller's attempt in game one. I forget who was shooting it uh, in game two here. But I saw that and I was like, 
here's a weird hot take. He's probably going to lead the league in blocked three-pointers this season. Mm. He's going to be playing a lot. He seems comfortable switching. He's going to switch out. Even if times, maybe he should stick to his guy, but it looks like you're going to have an easy enough three-point opportunity, but the arms are long enough and the timing is so good that he's able to challenge uh, those kind of things. I love seeing him get the ball closer to the hoop. I love seeing him be able to make an impact um, on the glass. The offense is going to be a work in progress, I think, uh, this season for Victor. Because like you're saying, there are times when he looks completely out of his depth trying to handle the ball. And then there are times like on the crossover and fadeaway where even if the move isn't totally smooth, you know, the ball still comes up to his shoulder on that step back. But he's so tall that he can hit the feathery fadeaway that it's okay. That being said... He could probably score 15 to 18 a game just being a garbage man, hitting the glass, and that's going to be an easy way for him uh, to increase his efficiency, and he's going to be a free-throw monster, I do believe, getting rebounds and then just having such long arms that people can't keep him off the line. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm glad this game came in game two for Wembenyama because it's like if he would have gone out and put 27 and 12 uh, on the Hornets on that Friday night in the biggest game that he's played so far, people would be – Sending the expectations even higher. I like this. Struggle in game one. Come out and show that you belong out there again in game two. Yeah, probably the pressure being off helped a little bit. Um, But you're right about the garbage points. He could just average 10, 12 because he's willing to go grab offensive boards, fight for it, even when he misses at times. Uh, But he's scrappy. But yeah, he's not just a guy who just says, oh, give me the ball in the three-point line. But it was cool to see him in the in the post. Some beautiful footwork there in the third quarter, uh, slinging in a shot from the post. 9 of 14 shooting overall, so just in a really efficient line. Did miss some free throws. Who cares? He went to the line. Yeah, uh, he <laughs> yeah, he went to the line 12 times. One thing I hope we don't see, but we've seen through two games, is that guys are in his landing space a lot. Maybe because he's huge he's got a lot of landing space (laughs) yeah he does that's a great way to put it uh but yeah and guys are getting physical and want to take away uh just just trying to get up in him so hopefully he doesn't get injured because of it but yeah that that's been happening a lot and if you do want to hear about his first game and our takes on it we were live in las vegas did a show from the thomas and max center uh that was uh, a pretty fun to be there kind of sad we missed the the second game in person i would like to be there for sure especially in that second half when he has a 10-point quarter and then the comeback where he's making plays on both ends of the floor like blocking shots running the court they just chuck the ball up to him for an easy slam dunk it would have been awesome like to be there when he hit that three-pointer let's go spurs go spurs go people going wild but you know say love you we were there for the first time yeah it was close down the stretch he didn't like as you said brought it to within one under two minutes left he didn't force anything the rest of the way the other spurs took most of the shots although uh Wemby missed a three late in this one. Although I do like he only took four threes in this game. Far different uh, shot distribution than his first game where uh, he took six uh, and he only hit one. So the shot was good. Everything good. Unfortunately, one piece of news from this one, the Blazers' Scoot Henderson not in this game against Victor Wembanyama. Shoulder injury. Let's let's, let's throw the, the... word injury in air quotes though uh, injury <laughs> happened in the first game where he had 15 5 and 6 assists uh, before exiting the MRI is clean entirely clean and uh, in his interview with Cassidy Hubberth he made it seem like he was totally fine he, he didn't really want to talk about it uh, am I, am <laughs> yeah, I, he's like well yeah I, I'm hurt but uh, I'm not going to be playing and that's just how it goes but honestly a bummer because 
it robbed us of Scoot versus Wemby. The same thing happened uh, for the four versus five matchup. Amon Thompson sprained his ankle, so he missed the game against Asur Thompson. That would have been awesome to see those guys. It's uh, kind of a bummer to have injuries affecting summer league, but also like you got to play it smooth here. If you're the Blazers, you know, you got lucky enough to be able to draft Scoot Henderson, jumping up in the lottery, having two teams pass on him. You're not going <laughs> to risk a shoulder or uh, problems with a jump shot just because you want to see one versus three in the summer league. Totally right. Although what I did like about this is that it made me go back and watch his first game highlights where he was awesome. This guy's good. <laughs> so- <laughs> this guy is good. Athleticism translates. Uh, he can get to the rim at will. And I love Doris Burke uh, pregame when they were talking about Scoot Henderson's injury. And it seemed like Mark Jones was moving on. And Doris Burke said, uh-uh, you're not going to deprive me of my Scoot Henderson highlights. That was uh, pretty funny and great to watch those highlights again. All right. Uh, I will say yeah. um, he's going to be wearing number double zero. Yes. He wore zero for the G League Ignite. Obviously, that's Damian Lillard's number. So mm-hmm. either Lillard somehow sticks around in Portland or they ain't giving it uh, to Scoot. So he'll be wearing number double zero. Pretty unusual for a guard, though, to wear number double zero. The best probably ever, Jordan Clarkson. The other notable guy, I would say, is Tony Delk, who had a 50-point game wearing number double zero. So uh, there's an opportunity here uh, for Scoot Henderson to be the best double zero, uh, at least on the perimeter in NBA history. He's got a long way to go to pass Robert Parrish, I would say, for best double zero ever, but we'll see what he does. Good facts right there. I Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah, Yeah. it's usually the big dudes who are wearing double zero, the Oster tags of the world. (laughs) I think he can pass Oster tag, though. He's got it. (laughs) I think he's got that one. Uh, Okay, so considering we're back from Vegas here, we had our meet and greet with fans uh, and, and the Athletic MBA show uh, that we were planning. That was a lot of fun. Got to see a lot of our colleagues. It's like a reunion going back to Vegas. Also, you know, we took in some Summer League action. So anything you want to comment, any additional thoughts from Summer League? I got some player thoughts for you. I think Jabari Smith Jr. has probably been the most impressive guy thus far at Vegas Summer League on Friday against Portland. 33 points, 7 rebounds, hit the crazy game-winning three-pointer that had Tari Eason celebrating with the Damian Lillard, waving goodbye to the Portland (laughs) Trailblazers. Smith followed this up Sunday with a great game against the Pistons. 38 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, a steal, and a block. He's handling the ball. He's making plays off the dribble. The three-pointer looks nice, and he is loving being the best guy at Summer League, trash-talking James Wiseman up and down the court. So I I love what I've seen from Jabari Smith Jr. I have to imagine he's probably done at this point, went and put in some work over the weekend, and now he'll get to chill as a second-year player who is an instrumental part of the Houston Rockets' long-term plans. He just looks like he's better than he was last season. He put it together a little bit at the end of the year. I also think Chet Holmgren, I keep forgetting this guy, is going to be a rookie (laughs) as well. He's going to be in the top tier of challengers for rookie of the year. I think him and Scoot probably are in the two and three mix and Victor is going to be the favorite, but Saturday against Dallas, he was great. Chet was 16 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, a steal and two blocks. These guys are going to be going head to head for like at least seven years in the same division. OKC versus San Antonio. So that's going to be fun to watch Wemby versus Scoot uh, as their careers go on. Also, Cason Wallace was great in that game, 20.6 threes. And then the last guy uh, that impressed me was Keontae George, the 16th pick for the Utah Jazz. Saturday against the Clippers, 33 points, 10 assists, six threes, and only two turnovers. I heard Tim McMahon 
on the Hoop Collective podcast, called him the Jordan Clarkson starter pack, which is just perfect. A great double zero right there, but he's explosive. Keontae George, he was making plays, little drop-offs, smart passes, like feeding guys in the post, making the extra play, just veteran kind of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily expect from a rookie playing his first summer league game. Also caught a wicked alley-oop, had another dunk on uh, on a fast break. I'm fine. I'm happy that uh, some of these draft picks are finally getting old enough that I can get intel from a source who told me Keontae George, a cold-blooded dude. So maybe a great leader there for the Jazz long term. And I also loved uh, what Mark Jones said on the broadcast when Keontae George hit a uh, heat check three late in the fourth quarter. That hit like a stimulus check. <laughs> Bars from Mark Jones. <laughs> uh, so good stuff. A nice little stimulus check for the Jazz getting Keontae George. He could be a future piece for them because they've got some needs on the perimeter long term because it looks like they got a pretty solid front court there. Yeah, great stuff. Great breakdowns there. Uh, the Jazz, yeah, trying to pull off another move, signing Paul Reed to an offer sheet. We'll get that uh, get to that news a, a little bit later on. But yeah, you, you broke down some great stuff there. I'll add. Grady Dick's uh, second game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Not a spectacular summer league through two games for Grady Dick. We watched the first one in in person, but I I do think he is really committed to being that off-the-ball threat. He will have a lot of gravity when he gets on the floor. Uh, He's committed to getting into open space. He's not just going to stand there. Uh, And and he doesn't have the the off-the-bounce game at this point, although he did have a really nice move where he got into the middle spun away from the defender and did hit a shot. That was the best move we've seen from Grady Dick. Yeah, the the, the three-point shot has not fallen yet, but he is always in the right place, ready to offensive rebound, ready to defend properly, and he uses his size. So a lot of good stuff there from Grady Dick, and he's committed, I think, to to working. It's going to be a it, it's going to be some work. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a project, but I think he has a. Uh, he has a future in this league. There, there's no doubt about that after watching him for a couple games. So great stuff. We'll get to some more Rockets news. I like the Jabari Smith breakdown. I just love watching that guy. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's just super, super confident. Will this team actually be good with the starting lineup of him and Shangun in the front court? Dylan Brooks. Yeah, Dylan Brooks is, is their small forward. And then Fred Van Vliet and Jalen Green uh, in the backcourt. We'll, we'll talk about that. In the up-down report. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. J.D., up down report, please. Preparing your tumbies. It's the up down report. Yeah, yeah, we did this on set in uh, summer league. We had some news, and then we got some more news, including Greg Popovich signing with the San Antonio Spurs. People wondered who's going to replace Pop. Who's going to replace Pop? <laughs> well, the Spurs with an emphatic answer. He's seventy-four. Doesn't matter. We're signing him for five years and eighty million dollars, according to ESPN. 
Woo! What do you think about this? Up or down? <laughs> I just didn't see this coming, Trey. Up or down on five years, 80 mil for Greg Popovich. Yeah, I'm up. I mean, how are you going to be mad about the Spurs paying Greg Popovich a thank you contract and then also keep doing what you've been doing for the past 20 years contract? Uh, I like that this news came out basically right after when Benyama struggled in game one. Popovich mm. saying it doesn't matter. I still got his back. Mm-hmm. I'm not turning away after one uh, stinky game, but I think this is fine. You know, Greg Popovich is basically saying I'm committed to the project. No surprise there. And I don't know. It's pretty funny that it's felt like Popovich was going to retire for the past five seasons. He could have walked away at any point, but we're like, man, it seems like he likes coaching these young teams. It seems like he likes uh, trying to build things up again. Then the Spurs luck into a generational prospect. So, of course, this guy's going to sign on to coach until he's almost 80 years old. We'll see if he actually makes it through the entirety of the deal, but... um, I guess the Spurs have already had Popovich's prime, and now they're having his twilight years as well. So that's pretty cool. It's it's awesome that uh, Pop is just going to be around for the beginning of Wembenyama. I got nothing wrong with this contract. There's nothing wrong with it. And, yeah, he's 74 and will be coaching if he goes through with all five years until he's nearly 80 years old. But who cares? Apparently he is spry (laughs) and working out. And Jeremy Sohan was on the broadcast saying that Popovich is – not only on the treadmill working out, but doing defensive slides. I mean, on the treadmill? No, <laughs> that'd uh, be pretty crazy. That'd be pretty crazy. <laughs> Although people do that, they they slow down the treadmill to like you know one point five, like really slow, just, slow to, mode. Just to just to warm up the legs, they get into the the slides. It's dangerous. You got to remember to slow it down before you start doing those slides. Um, so I think he'll be fine. Going, people are just operating. You know, uh, you talked about a stimulus check. Joe Biden doing pretty damn well, and he's old. Uh, so, you know, he's far older than Greg Popovich. I think that's fine. The all-time winningest head coach getting this gig. Although it is interesting that you brought up that there's a chance that he doesn't coach all five years. I saw Andrew Lopez on ESPN write, Popovich also serves as the Spurs president of basketball operations, and it's possible his new deal allows him to earn out the contract even if he doesn't coach the five full years. I thought that was interesting uh, just to read that even mm-hmm. before he's even started coaching. And you said he likes coaching the young guys. He said last year was one of his most enjoyable seasons, which I thought 22 and 60. Um, <laughs> but you know, he said it in, in sort of in a different way. We had different expectations, not a lot of games on TV. It was just fun to sort of go to work. Sure. And nobody really watching uh, our team as much. So the Wemby effect, I mean, he's looking young with that haircut. He's looking, uh, he's got the haircut short. Last year he looked, he's letting the locks go. He looked looking a little older. It's looking good now. Uh, so I got no problem, no problem. Good luck to Pop here. Yeah, I wonder, wonder who's ever going to take over for Greg Popovich. Like, is it somebody that's on the bench? Will Mike Budenholzer suddenly come back and be an assistant head coach and then take over years down the line? Will it be Becky Hammond, who has been rumored in the past? Uh, I guess we're not going to have to worry about it, though, for another five years. Maybe Greg Popovich will just coach forever. Forever and ever. Until he's 90. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, All right, let's move on to a few transactions that we had in the NBA. We'll get your up-down take on, on all these ones Trey. In a move that saves them $4.5 million, the Atlanta Hawks are trading guard Ty Ty Washington forwards Ushman Gruba and Rudy Gay and a future second round pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Patty Mills. Will Patty Mills stay in the stay in the A? I'm not 100% certain on that. We'll see about that. I think so. But anyway, the second transaction, Dario Sarch has signed with the Golden State Warriors to come off their bench. He spent last year with Phoenix and OKC. He got a big stretch in the floor. 
Very interesting stuff. And the third one here, according to ESPN, the 76ers have match restricted free agent forward Paul Reed's three-year, $23 million offer sheet with the Jazz and will retain him. So we got three transactions. You can go one by one if you want, Trey. Give us your up-downs. I think I will... For for the for the group here, I'm gonna go like three quarters up. Okay. Maybe actually two thirds up because I'm up on Sarich, I'm up on Paul Reed, and I'm kind of ambivalent on Patty Mills. If I'm being honest here, he can still hit threes. He's if he stays in Atlanta, he's likely just an emergency backup here. But I think he could be a valuable off-ball tutor for a guy like Trey Young, who mm-hmm. could use a little more Steph Curry in his game. And certainly, Patty Mills plays a similar style where he's coming off screens, making catch and shoot shots. The Hawks also saved some money, opened some roster spots here, so good business from them. But Patty Mills has been traded three times in 10 days, and he also got married last week, so he probably doesn't care at all. He's just like <laughs> talking to his agent, hey man, let me know in September where I'm playing and I will show up and shoot some threes uh, if you need be. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Patty uh, in Atlanta, but he seems like a good vet to have around whichever team ends up with him. I do like Dario Saric. Going to the Warriors, I think he's going to be basically their replacement for Nemanja Bialica and Otto Porter from their championship team back in 2022. They didn't really have that guy uh, for this past season. Jermichael Green was supposed to be the guy. Yeah. But I think Sarge can do a little bit more than Jermichael Green. He's more of a playmaker. He's got a little bit of chemistry built in with Chris Paul from their Phoenix Suns days together. And he's an average to good three-point shooter. Is he a 39% guy like he was the past couple of seasons? Or is he a 36% guy league average? At least that's okay. I think this is a good get uh, for the Warriors. Just a smart player who knows what to do uh, with the basketball. I still wonder if they need like a legitimate huge guy. Because they are going to run into Nikola Jokic if they want to try and make it uh, back to the finals at some point. So that's a question for me. And then the Paul Reed thing I think is smart by Philadelphia. They could not afford to lose another player, having Niang already gone out the door. Harden wants to leave, and they haven't really replaced either of those guys yet. I guess uh, Shake Milton left as well. Not a big part of the rotation, but guys have been leaving Philadelphia. None have been coming back, so I think keeping Paul Reed was pretty big here because backup center has been a need for the Philadelphia 76ers for the past few seasons. So keeping him around on a pretty solid deal, I think is pretty smart. I also think it's funny the way this whole contract work. Yeah. Because back in the day, Omer Oshik got a poison pill contract that was basically invented by Justin Zanuck, his agent, and Daryl Morey, the GM of the Rockets at the time. This, the contract started cheap and then got expensive. Like you're taking poison. It's okay mm-hmm. at first. And then it gets really, really bad. This one, I think, is the NyQuil pill contract, though, Tess. Okay, okay. It tastes bad, but it's good for you. Because <laughs> this deal, Paul Reeds, gets guaranteed if the Sixers make the second round of the playoffs this year. So you're happy to make the second round of the playoffs, <laughs> but now we're guaranteed to have to pay Paul Reed, uh, <laughs> which is more likely for Philadelphia than it was for Utah. So now Philadelphia is going to be on the hook long term, but I think that's okay with Paul Reed. Very funny, though that Justin Zanuck is the GM of the Jazz and Daryl Morey is the GM of the Philadelphia 76ers. And they worked out this one together. These guys are loophole geniuses just going at each other. So I think good stuff to bring Paul Reed back to Philadelphia and a hilarious way that it happened. The NyQuil pill. The NyQuil pill. NyQuil tastes bad, but... It does its job. It's good for you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You said it, so I'm going with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so Zanuck, yeah, trying to get Maury on, on the NyQuil. Interesting, interesting move there. 
I guess that the, when you think about it, so the the first year is guaranteed in this deal, no matter what. Yep. And then if they make the second round of the playoffs, the follow the the two years, the second and third year, are guaranteed. Like, wouldn't wouldn't you just want that off the bat? I, it's not it's not as poison pilly, so yeah. that's why it's why it's the Nyquil. I guess the Sixers maybe not wanting to commit long term. To just to paying money, but it's not that bad a deal it's for not Paul that bad Reed. Of a deal. Yeah, I think you kind of have to. So, yeah, Zanuck tried to give it to Maury, but I, I don't. This is this is something that the Jazz were probably willing to pay, but you can't poison pill like you used to. And so this is <laughs> the, you, that's what people are always saying. So so they tried to do this the sneaky maneuver. Yeah, Sixers had to retain him. The Sarge move, I love it. You, you got to assume that he's going to play well uh, with the Golden State Warriors. He's lost some athletically because of the surgery, but uh, he still remains a good shooter. The guy could always score. I know he's not hasn't scored a ton in this league. He sort of tried to find his way between being like a post guy uh, with the Sixers way back when, and now more of a perimeter guy. But perfect in backup roles. They they just do still have Kevon Looney as their big, their big, uh, big, their big, big, and so this this makes sense. Yeah, the Hawks gave up on a couple guys in Garuba uh, that they just got and Tai Tai Washington that they just got and said, all right, let's get Patty Mills. I love the idea of him tutoring Trey Young to some degree, like just sprinting into shots, sprinting into coming off screens if Trey's willing to do that. So that's uh, that's interesting. If, if he does stick around, we shall see if he remains an Atlanta Hawk. All right, another transaction. More just details on an additional transaction that we knew about. According to ESPN, Dylan Brooks, his contract with the Rockets will actually be worth more than initially expected. We thought it was 80 over four years, but it's actually 86 over four and with incentives could be 90 million. I know you're pretty down on it initially when it seemed like they're bidding against themselves. What do you think about it now? <laughs> just, 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 yeah. Yeah. I remain down on this one because I saw a tweet uh, from Keith Parrish at Fast Break Breakfast who broke it down and said the Rockets traded five second-round picks, K.J. Martin, Patty Mills, Usman Garuba, Josh Christopher, and Ty Ty Washington for the right to sign Dylan Brooks to a four-year $86 million contract. That's a lot to give up for a guy who is a defensive specialist at the, ver- uh, at the kindest, I think you would say, uh, about Dylan Brooks. I think he's going to help this team. Dylan Brooks, Fred Van Vliet, Jabari Smith Jr., Ime Udoka. That's the startings of an NBA defense, like an actual NBA defense. And it's clear that the Rockets valued the defensive side of the floor when they're trying to develop their identity here because the past three seasons under Steven Silas, they went 27th, 29th, and 29th in defensive ratings. So yeah, the Rockets are play- paying... They gave out over $200 million in contracts for the two worst volume shooters in the NBA in Van Fleet <laughs> and Dylan Brooks. But they're hoping it works out on the other end defensively and that their draft picks that they've made over the years really take a step forward offensively and probably become the lead guys on that end of the court while they're getting the veteranship and the professionalism on the other side of the court. I don't, the know. Professionalism. I don't know if I think Dylan... Yeah, uh, professionalism defensively, yeah, at the very least. Let's uh, hope so. He's gotten underrated defensively because uh, the offense and the off-court stuff with Dylan Brooks has taken over the conversation for sure. This is going to be a fine deal, realistically, when it all comes said and done. You know, if he's making $20 million and making all defensive teams or at least in the conversation. But it looks weird for Dylan Brooks, and they've given up a lot 
just to try and make it happen. Like, Garuba was a first-round pick. Ty Ty Washington was a first-round pick. These guys haven't established themselves in the NBA, but you're giving up that potential to try and make a little bit of a step forward. And it's just hard in the Western Conference. Every team is good, basically, in the Western Conference. It's going to be the Rockets and the Spurs at the bottom of the standings, you would have to think. And, I mean, the Spurs got their guy. You know, the Rockets are still searching for their guy. So, weird summer for Houston, but... When you're the one with a lot of cap space and not necessarily a contending team, this is what happens. What's strange is that they may not have cap space in years three and four Mm -hmm. of this contract. Yeah, Regardless of the contract, contract aside, I'm kind of done talking about the numbers of this one. (laughs) I just wonder if Dylan Brooks is going to shoot this team into losses. It could happen. That's the worrisome part. But will Ime Udoka get through to him? And, okay, let's talk about the contract. Uh, It's a strange, strange deal to be locking into somebody in year three and year four, where, again, they may not have cap space because they got to pay Jalen Green and Shengun and Jabari Smith down the line. They do have cap space for the first couple of years. That's why Fred, with two years and an option by the team, smart in that third year. This one, who was paying him $75 million? Nobody. I don't think. Who's paying him 70? Who's paying him 60? Who's paying him 50? That's why this seems extremely strange to lock in. He could be worth it. You're right. The defense has become underrated because of what happened in Memphis. But uh, what's properly rated is, <laughs> I mean, he kicked himself off the team, essentially. And they didn't want to bring him back under any circumstances. This was a $13 million player last year. They didn't want to pay him a thing. But the Rockets say, we'll pay you 86 maybe 90 Still a little strange uh, when all is said and done. But I'm starting to talk myself into, you know, like you said, Ime Udoka getting through to him. Fred Van Vliet is already doing sprints with his new teammate, Jalen Green. <laughs> They're already working together. So, yeah, there's just a lot of questionable pieces, but they could work out. There's, there's going to be a lot of lot of bricks, I think, though. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a lot of bricks in Houston, but hopefully they're... Like, if they're in the top 20 defensively, even if they're still a poor de- poor team next yeah. year, you know, they're going to still be a lottery team. But if they're in the top 20 defensively, like, that, that's certainly a step forward. There is an interview at The Athletic. Subscribe at theathletic.com slash no dunks. Kelly Eco talked to Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks was there watching the Grizzlies at Summer League. All <laughs> love with the Grizzlies, even with their GM. Uh, but Kelly talked to Dylan, and he's I liked what he said. I'm looking forward to working with Jabari Smith Jr. Because Dylan Brooks is a great defender. He did make an all-defensive team last year, so for Jabari Smith to be able to learn from a guy who's done it, that's only going to help him. Uh, but is it going to turn out for wins? Probably not this season. You know, It's just too hard in the West right now. It is difficult. Yeah, if they change the locker room, then it's a win. There's no doubt about that. And and I do say, uh, you know, there's no there's no doubt, there's no mistake that he got, he kicked himself off the team. I, I, I kind of backpedal on that a little bit because the Grizzlies should take a little bit of the heat for this one in the way they handled things and in just kicking him off the team. You know, Dylan Brooks helped lose that series by getting into it with LeBron James. That was a mistake. Uh, there's no doubt you just don't do that with LeBron. But then he was banished for for what, really? I'm, when it comes down to it, we don't, we don't know. But he spoke out when he shouldn't have spoke out, and uh, it hurt his team in the end. Hopefully he can rectify that, and hopefully him and Udoka have a great relationship. Okay, moving on. We've got more details of the NBA in-season tournament. They were revealed in a huge presentation at Summer League. 
let me break it down as as quickly and succinctly as I can. All 30 teams are divided <laughs> into six groups of five teams each. Tournament games will be played in Tuesday on Tuesdays and Fridays in November. Every team will play the other teams in their group once. So you'll have six group winners along with two wildcard winners that will move on to the knockout rounds. And uh, once we get to the semis, the tourney moves to a neutral site in Las Vegas. The semis and finals will be play- played in Vegas in early December. Boom, boom. You've got an in-season tournament <laughs> winner. So uh, tell me, Trey, you're up and down, up or down on these details and the in-season tournament in general. Uh, I'm two thumbs up on this because in the Eastern Conference, they put the Bulls and the Raptors in the same group. Ah, <laughs> it's too good for us. Celtics, Nets, Bulls, Raps, and Magic in Group Thank C you. or Group Three, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, I'm excited for that because there's nobody who loves the Bulls and Raptors meeting in meaningless games <laughs> than us guys. Uh, we sat courtside for a summer league game between the Bulls and Raptors. Uh, we were doing huge numbers on playback for a play-in game between the Bulls and Raptors. And now we got the in-season tournament. These two teams are going to be going head-to-head against each other. I can't believe it. Uh, great <laughs> stuff. Uh, <laughs> for the no-dunks guys, yeah, I'm willing to give this a shot. Uh, it definitely feels like the league is kind of... Tampering expectations. You basically got Adam Silver and Joe Dumars saying, yeah, one year is not going to be the buy-in right away, but we're trying it. Now is the time. They're doing it in December, kind of a dead month football-wise, which I think is pretty smart. You know, college football will be in bowl season, but before starting, like, playoff season for them. So there's definitely a spot on the NBA calendar. It comes before Christmas Mm -hmm. as well, which is kind of like a big launch uh, for the NBA and uh, I don't know. We'll see how it plays out, but I'm willing to I'm willing to like it because I think that the play-in tournament has been a success. It's been it's made things more exciting as we get further and further into the season, kept things competitive, given us something to talk about. And I think this will be the same. <laughs> I think it's pretty funny that they're just going to be branding things as Game 83. If the Bulls somehow win this in-season tournament, I'm absolutely getting a Game 83 championship shirt. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll see how it goes uh, in year one because I saw uh, in an ESPN res- report that, quote, other incentives were discussed to give players and teams more incentive to be invested in the tournament such as guaranteeing the winner a playoff spot, but ultimately the league opted not to enact any such measures. So year one could look different than year two. We'll see how it goes, um, but why not? You know, there's not much. December, I'm happy for a little spice in December. Oh, that would be wild if they gave the rewarded uh, the winner a playoff spot. That's probably why they didn't. Oh, God, <laughs> God, yeah, that's a good move, not giving them a playoff spot. That would be way too much. I know. You kind of want to put some big reward, you know, if it's a ladder match, you want that big thing at the top. You want them to climbing for something. And I know you're covering the MLB a little bit that the all-star game without having home uh, home field awarded to the winner kind of lessens the stakes now. Like that, that You got a World Series home field advantage for the last few years, and now you don't. So it's like, who cares? So it's kind of better that they didn't give it to this give this a reward and then take it back. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that would have been wild. That would have been crazy. It's December 7th and December 9th that it happens in Las Vegas. So that's the end of it. Just to clarify the dates there a couple weeks before Christmas. I mean, the league is telling the players and everyone it's important. This was a, a, a huge display and announcement that happened 
a lot of the big name players were part of it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Trey Young, Anthony Edwards, Wemby was there. So Anthony Edwards was reading the teams from his division as, as they were being announced. <laughs> and, you know, from, from his, he announced the Minnesota Timberwolves. Then the Gold State Warriors with Steve Kerr right beside him saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to give it to Steve Kerr. So, like, there was I, – I guess there's a little bit of – there's some some rivalries. I know it's, it's, it's way too early to develop that, but I, I think it's good. I, I think if this uh, – if we're looking long view, what really matters is that players care, and I think they'll care if it's on their resumes as uh, an in-season tournament winner. I mean, it's going to be put there. I think we'll see that little badge on basketball reference, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I, I heard Richard Jefferson say that this will make players get in shape earlier in the season, that you can't wait. Interesting. Yeah, maybe not year one. <laughs> I, I don't think they'll be really you know, getting after it doing their slides in October thinking, I got to get to Vegas to win the final. <laughs> That's probably unlikely. Uh, but I, I do think down the road, you know, as as we are told that this means something, I mean, we're already talking about it, like we're excited about it, and we want to get to Vegas to cover it. So send no dunks there. Yeah, we'll be happy to go and, and, and do it. I will just clarify one thing. I know we've said this in the past, but, most of the games are part of the 82 game mm-hmm. schedule. The only game which is an extra game is the final. So if your team is one of the two in the finals, they're playing 83 games. That's right. The rest are playing 82 games and the schedule makers, they got to get to work and figure this thing out. <laughs> Cuz yeah, we've got the the games on Tuesdays and Fridays in November. We know sort of the divisional play. Good thing they're calling it groups instead of Pots. Remember they called it pots at first? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Americans don't know what pots are. And what's a pot? Uh, so they went back to groups. And then they get to their uh, their quarterfinals where the schedulers got to figure that thing out. Those are the knockout rounds. Anyways, I'm just glad. Is there a monetary reward? There yes, has there to is. Be. Uh, yeah. The winning team, each player gets $500,000. The losing team gets $250,000. And then there are, I think... Like hundred thousand dollar bonuses and fifty thousand dollar bonuses, depending on how far you go uh, into the tournament. So you see a lot of people in the stream team asking, "Are the players going to take it seriously?" Right. I don't know that we're going to see postseason intensity throughout the regular or throughout the in season tournament. I think we'll see regular season intensity up until game eighty three. I think the players are definitely going to care about game eighty three. Five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. It ain't a lot to a guy who's making forty million, but it's still five hundred thousand dollars, and it is a lot. To a guy who's making $250,000. So we'll see which teams actually end up making it to the play-in tournament. But I think the game 83 is going to be worth it. And everything else is just going to feel like the regular season. That's a good call. But, oh. man, they should give a raise to the schedule makers. It seems very complicated <laughs> and hard to figure out uh, Tuesdays and Fridays, uh, except for uh, Election Tuesday. Election Tuesday does not count for the in-season tournament. I also thought that was funny. And I like um, that the league kind of addressed, yeah, these these uh these things have boring names right now. It's called the NBA Cup and it's called the in-season tournament. They're like we played around with other names. Maybe it'll change uh, at some point in the future. But for right now, we're going straight forward so you know what we are talking about. Yeah, no presidential election this year, but I like how they're continuing no games on that day. Ever. There's just no games ever on local election elections. Day. That's right. Yeah, local elections will be done. So I'm glad they don't change it up and just 
They just get to work. It's going to be tough for Atlanta, though, because we end up voting like 100 times. 100 times. Yeah. Too many yeah. runoffs around here. Yeah, we'll be... We'll be uh, <laughs> How am I supposed to watch the in-season tournament when I got to go for another runoff election? Yeah, we'll be voting during the, uh, the semis and the finals, mm-hmm. I'm sure, over and over and over again. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Tweet of the Night. Comes to us from Ben Golliver, who was in attendance for Victor Wembenyama's second game here, and he caught a great moment <laughs> between two notable people. Greg Popovich and Fat Joe <laughs> meeting at Summer League. Like, it looks to me like Fat Joe was like, oh, there's Greg Popovich. I gotta go up and say hi to that yeah, guy. Yeah, looks like that. And Pop... Looks like he knows who Fat Joe is. I'll at least say that. He's seen him before. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> uh, but this to me was like a, kind of a quintessential Summer League moment because Summer League is like the ultimate place where you're just walking around and suddenly you see somebody famous. You're like, whoa, that's Christian Brown just walking through the concourse. That's mm. Fat Joe meeting Greg Popovich. So, Tess, uh, who's your favorite random person? That you saw while we were in Vegas. Ooh, great question. Sicko mode. Mm. I mean, seeing Zach Harper. Uh, <laughs> is he famous? He walks around uh, like he's famous. famous. He had sunglasses <laughs> he's on. He's got the riz. Yeah, he's got the riz. It looked like he was famous. Sunglasses during the <laughs> during the day, kicking it. 
I wish I had sunglasses on right now because I'm I'm still on Vegas time right now. I think there's some some bags I brought back with me. Wait, you, you just said sunglasses during the day, isn't that when you wear? Oh, sunglasses? indoors, my indoors, bad. indoors, my yeah, best. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> my mistake. <laughs> uh, I, nothing. No one really famous. Apologies to Zach Harper. Uh, jumping out at me right now. Mm. Um, I mean, I was doing a lot of deep digging in my brain. Oh, I know this NBA player. I know this NBA oh, yeah. player. Oh, yeah. We saw Jared Jack, former NBA player, right off the bat. And I remember I had a, a tweet exchange with Jared Jack uh, a long time ago where he got mad at me. Uh, <laughs> old, uh, old Twitter erased it, though, so I couldn't, oh. I couldn't even find it. I was, <laughs> was going to repost that. Uh, what do you, what do you got? I mean, I'll, I'll think of some here, but nothing I, my, my Mount Rushmore for this year yeah. has two MMA fighters on it: Michael Bisping Michael and Daniel Bisping. Cormier. Yeah. It was cool seeing those guys around, you know, because we're expecting to see NBA guys and NBA associated guys. But it was also a big fight weekend for the UFC to see those guys just out and about. Yeah. Pretty funny. Uh, my other two NBA guys that I liked seeing: uh, Larry Jordan. It was oh, a weird yeah. one. We ended up in a, an elevator yep. with a guy wearing a Charlotte Hornets team gear. Looked down at the credential. Larry Jordan. I was like, I've known about Larry Jordan since I was a child. Michael mm. Jordan's brother. But mm. now to see him in the flesh, this is the reason Michael Jordan wore number 23. Because it was half of 45 because of Larry Jordan. Uh, there he was in the flesh. So that was pretty funny to see. Still waiting to actually meet Michael Jordan in the flesh. But, you know, <laughs> brother is pretty close. And then completing my Mount Rushmore of uh, funny mm-hmm. Vegas interactions has got to be Austin Rivers, who was just as excited to see us as we were him. And he said to Skeets, hoophead to hoophead, I love your guys' stuff. Respect. I felt like George Costanza because it took until this morning that I wish I would have said podcast to podcast. I love your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Austin Rivers, come on. No dogs, buddy. Yeah, he'll come on. Yeah, former guest of the starters. That's yeah. right. Uh, hilarious. Uh, th- I think he would have liked that. Podcast to podcast. I know, I know. We got to go back. <laughs> <laughs> Call it back. Uh, yeah, that was that was a lot of great stuff. Yeah, Michael Bisping was cool, and he was uh, a real Michael Bisping. Like, he was oh, totally. perfect Michael <laughs> yeah. Bisping. He was just, yeah, absolutely entertaining everyone at his table. You hear about people having, like, Tree trunks for legs. Yeah. That guy's got tree trunks for forearms. Like he was <laughs> sitting at a table, and it just looked like an entire quadricep muscle was his forearm. That was crazy. That yep. guy's big. All right. That was a great breakdown. Great mm. breakdown of uh, all the famous people we saw. Yeah. <laughs> Larry Jordan. Larry <laughs> Jordan. It. Yeah. Yeah, Michael Jordan's not going to be in an elevator, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably uh, not. W- with other media members going up to uh, the Summer League concourse. Although, yeah, that was a... Uh, that was a blast being there for the Wemby game, and if you want our take on that, yeah, we, we did a pod and YouTube show right after the game, uh, live from Las Vegas, so that was a blast. All right, we will be back later on this week. We don't know exactly when, but we're not going anywhere. We're here all summer long. If you want to check out something tonight, the Playback Home Run Derby, Home Run Derby on Playback, it's on at 8 o'clock Eastern, playback.tv slash nodunks. Find the link everywhere. Check out Is This Good with Kelly Dwyer. But for now, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, Luis Robert is going to win the Home Run Derby. Ooh, Robert. That's a great one. Great one. Maybe Julio at home. A lot of pressure. I think he can show up for it, though. Great call. All right. Embrace the day, people. Embrace the day, people.